0: SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas. We do this each and every day right here on ESPN Radio between 4 and 6 p.m. If you want to watch or listen in a non traditional fashion, you can head on over to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab, and there you will find the stream. If you want to get a hold of us on the phone, 406 888 1029. That's 888 1029. Our guest us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. And be sure to go check out our YouTube channel as well, Tommy and the Boys. We've been working hard on that. Got a bunch of graphics and cool stuff for all of you. So go check out the YouTube as well and uh, get some updates as far as the phone number in case you forget it. Or whoever's on the show in case you missed the intro. Whatever. We got all sorts of cool stuff on the YouTube as well. So please yeah, go check that out as well. Please subscribe too because we're starting to build that up and that feels pretty good. A lot to get to today. It is the heart of the NBA playoffs so we'll get things kicked off like we have the last couple of weeks with Brooks Nuwana SkylineSportsMT.com, but as well as our resident NBA insider. He'll join us here in just a couple of minutes. We'll give you an update on all the action around the NBA. I was also at a sports card show over the weekend. It was a fascinating experience, very fun uh, to be involved in it, and uh, thank you to everybody that stopped by, too, because we had a lot of good feedback, a lot of fans of this show, and uh, it was fun hanging out with everybody. So... Um, Thank you so much for swinging by. And we'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about that experience as well. Whole bunch of action across the state of Montana and across the country involving athletes from the state of Montana as well. We had uh, the Wyoming, the Montana-Wyoming Midland All-Star Classic over the weekend. One game in Sheridan, one game in Lockwood. So that's this is uh, the dual site like we do quite often here when it comes to these all-star season. And Montana continued to dominate on both the girls' and boys' sides of that. So i will give you more details on that. Tommy's been begging to tell a story for a long, long time. So he will uh, indeed do that here about 445. So stay tuned for that. I'm sure it'll be a belly laugh and a half. Top of the hour, all sorts of nationally renowned athletes from across the state of Montana that had outstanding weekends Over the weekend, Duncan Hamilton and Lucy Corbett, each from Montana State, participating in the NCAA Outdoor National Track and Field Championships in the Mecca, Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon. Duncan Hamilton placed fifth in the men's 3,000-meter steeplechase, and uh, Lucy Corbett placed 11th. So both those athletes are all Americans here uh, for Montana State. Daniel Aragon, the youngest of the Aragon sisters from Billings. She is also an All-American once again. So congratulations to her. It's her seventh, counted seventh All-American nod in her outstanding career at Stanford. Excuse me, Christina Aragon. Daniel Aragon is the older sister. Christina Aragon, a All-American as well, a Billings Senior product. And then about 5.30, Tanner Huff is going to join us. Tanner is the newest commitment to the Grizz football team. He's from Butte, Montana. He earned himself an opportunity on the Grizz football team after an outstanding performance at the State Track and Field Championship. This is reminiscent of a story of somebody related to me, uh, which will be very fun to uh, catch up with Tanner as well. But I, I love when kids go out on top in the last athletic competition of their senior years. And uh, that's exactly what Tanner did. He earned himself an opportunity to extend his athletic career with the Grizz football team. Do we got my brother, Tommy? Oh, we can call him whenever you're ready. I sent you the contact info. Uh, the NBA playoffs rage on right now. We got a pair of games tonight. The first game, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers playing at the Atlanta Hawks. Philadelphia is up 2-1 to one in that series. And then a pivotal game four at 8 p.m. tonight between the Utah Jazz, who are banged up right now, and the Los Angeles Clippers. We do have those games from time to time on ESPN, but... Our nighttime broadcasts here on ESPN Missoula have been taken up by the Missoula Paddleheads, who continue to just rip through the Pioneer League. This transition to Independent League Baseball has been uh, very good for the Pioneer League team here in Missoula. 17-3 and after last night's 4-0 victory. So the Paddleheads now winners of 17 of their first 20. One of the losses came in the now pseudo-extra innings uh, of a walk-off home run via home run derby because they replaced the extra innings with a home run derby. That's what the Pioneer League's doing that made national highlights, uh national uh talk radio shows across the coast in the country. So Missoula has one win like that and one loss like that. So let's count it up based on just their normal games. Sixteen and two, pretty darn good start. Uh, for the Missoula Paddleheads. So we will give away some tickets a little later on in the show as well. I got a four-pack of tickets to the Paddleheads game, so stay tuned for that as well.
1: Coulter, I'm sorry that I failed you, um, but I think I get a pass, man. I mean, I do a lot of stuff right around here. <laughs> yes, okay? you do. But I have called Brooks. He is on hold. He is ready for you now. Okay, that's great. I love it. Going out to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line, welcome in Brooks Nuanez to the
0: show. Nuana is now times two. We're doing this every once in a while throughout the summer and uh, Brooks is my business partner and uh, our main photographer at SkylineSportsMT.com. We're getting closer and closer to football season, about 90 days away from the start of football, so be sure to go check out SkylineSportsMT.com. Get your subscription all renewed. We're going to have just a glut of content for you this fall because we have not had much to write about with the exception of uh, pandemic-style basketball, which was not the most fun thing in the world. So we kind of treaded water for a while at Skyland, but ready to hit it full force here in the fall. So i uh, look forward to that. But, Brooks, thanks so much for joining us, my man. How you doing? Are you staying warm? Or are you staying cool, I should say, because it is hot out there. I got the news up here. 100 degrees, multiple parts of the state of Montana right now.
2: Uh, I'm in a car. It says 107. Uh, it feels like 110, but I'll I'll believe the car.
0: <laughs> well, you and I both have sales elements of our jobs, and so we're in and out of the car, and uh, a lot of times it's pretty hard to stay dry, uh, pretty sweaty. But I want to get your reaction on a few different things before we start talking NBA. Brooks Nuwana is joining us on Nuanas Now. First and foremost, the biggest news of the weekend, of the week, excuse me, last week leading into the weekend, the hiring of Jocelyn Tinkle, a Missoula Big Sky grad like the two of us, Somebody that you've known for pretty much your entire life, and uh, somebody that was a big splash in terms of her name recognition when she was hired by Brian Holsinger to fill out his staff as the third and final assistant for the Lady Grizz. Your thoughts on Jocelyn Tinkle becoming a collegiate coach?
2: No, I'm very excited. I'm excited for her. I'm excited for the Lady Grizz program. I think it's a really good hire. Um, She's a basketball gal through and through. You know, it's just, it, it is not only. A big part of her life; it is her life, and I'm really happy she's back in the game. Um, she had a professional career for a little while that I know she had some ups and downs, but she thoroughly enjoyed. I think that this is where she should be. Um, it's a great what a what a place to start your basketball coaching career, um, and one of the most storied programs in the country. Um, and a new staff with some familiar faces. I know that she probably has a pretty good connection with all three people remaining on the staff. I'm um, Nate Harris, Jordan Sullivan, and a new head coach from Oregon State, where her dad is now the current head coach. I'm sure that she had some connections to him there. So I think it's a great hire. I'm really excited to see Joss, um, as you mentioned, someone that I've known for my entire life. And uh, I think it'll, it's a great thing for Missoula, and I look forward to having her on
0: the show. I know that it was um, – she was such a big-time recruit. You guys are the same grade, so you, she, you were seniors in high school along with when she was a senior in high school, and she was such a big-time recruit. Perhaps the biggest recruit to ever come out of Montana. I know there's been some others uh, in, in recent years. I mean, Jill Barta going to, to Gonzaga and whatnot, but Jocelyn Tickle was a, a high school McDonald's All-American. I mean, she was you know, a top 100 recruit in the country and she had offers from coast to coast. She could have gone anywhere she wanted and, and she did. She went to the one of the top programs in the country and played for Tara Vanderveer who's one of the great coaches in the history of college basketball. But because of her connections to Missoula, because of her family's connections to the University of Montana, I think that she would tell you or, or people in the know would tell you that Montana was in the mix even though the Montana's a mid-major. Obviously a great program under Robin Selvig uh, at the time. But she certainly considered it here, at least. And I do think it's fascinating that it's it's come full circle here more than a decade later with her coming back to Missoula because the Lady Grizz wanted her in the worst way. And you never know what would have happened with the program with the Montana Grizzlies because she would have been coming in Right when that last outstanding group of girls left, Manny Morales and Brittany Loman and, and Sonia Rogers, and the girls that were sort of my age that were so dominant in the Big Sky Conference. Lady Grizz were good after that. They went to the NCAA tournament a couple more times. And, you know, Jordan Sullivan, who you mentioned, her group of, of girls, Kenzie DeBoer and, and Maggie Rickman and Carly Selvig and that group, they went, Kelly Cole, they went back to the NCAA tournament again. A couple times. But you wonder what would have happened if Jocelyn Tingle would have been a part of that squad. It might have been a completely different story. So it's just sort of ironic but also fitting that some 12 or 13 years later, Jocelyn Tingle is finally a Lady Grizz, which was something that this program wanted for so long.
2: Yeah, you said it. I think it really is fitting. Um, I, I was really happy with the decision Joss made. We always talked about um, you know, going through the recruiting process. Um, at the same time in different sports. But me and several of our different friends were all trying to figure out our, our college athletics paths and, paths. and I always said to anyone who had a chance to go to a, uh, uh, the level of education you're going to receive from a Stanford, that you always have to take that, no matter what ba- where basketball's going to take you. And I also thought, you know, especially just she was born in Sweden as her, when her dad was playing overseas. And for the first three, we went K through 12 together. And her first two or three years, she was going half the year in Europe, somewhere in Spain, for instance, and in half the year um, in Montana. So. The worldly nature of her basketball life and where it's taken her, I was really happy that she decided to go to Stanford. I think it was obviously the right fit. Played, in, you know, I think three if not four straight Final Fours, um, and you know, played with some legendary players there. So you know, I'll let her tell that story sometime on this show of kind of her uh, the path that she that she found herself throughout her basketball career. But as you mentioned, I think it's fitting to find her back in Missoula, um, where the basketball culture has been vibrant and great, especially on the women's side, and she's at the forefront of it.
0: Brooks Nuanas joining us here on Nuanas now. I'm Coulter Nuanas. We're doubling up the Nuanas now here on a Monday. Hope everybody's having an outstanding Monday. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. The other one I want to get your reaction on quickly, Brooks, is Connor Wood. He entered the NCAA transfer portal. He was an all conference offensive lineman, a 20 game starter uh, between 2018 and 2019 at Montana State. A very solid player, to be sure, for the Bobcats and a guy that had a bright future considering you thought he had two years of eligibility remaining at MSU. Well, he graduated this spring. He entered the NCAA transfer portal, and last week he gave his commitment to Missouri. So Connor Wood is headed to the SEC. Sort of hash this out for us because I think that uh, great opportunity for him, but I was a little surprised at the level he was able to go to, but I think there are some factors that uh, cater to explaining why maybe he was able to go to that level.
2: Yeah, I was surprised, too. I mean, I know about this kind of stuff, the recruiting elements, how the, the back end works, how you get certain places, the opportunities, how they come about. I really don't know how you know, as a kid in Bozeman, Montana, that you could go play at Missouri the next, in a week. I just don't know how that exactly arises. You know, like, what back channel tells you, like, hey, you want to play the SEC? I don't really know how that works. I think anyone who gets that opportunity should probably take it. Uh, Connor Wood is a, is a, is a big player. Uh, he's a big-time player in the sense he's a really big kid. He's all of 6'6", 315, 320. Um, he, he's started at multiple positions, let alone is very functional at a high level at all four positions outside of center. Uh, I see him more as an inside guy, but he thrives on the edge as well, mostly at right tackle. Uh, he has the size to play in the SEC. Does he have the demeanor? He's got a tough streak in him. Um, I don't know necessarily... I haven't been to a Missouri football game live and in person, so or in, in, anywhere in the SEC, to be frank. Everything I see on TV says that it's a pretty darn high level. Is Connor Wood uh, you know, almost that professional level of offensive lineman? I'm not totally sure. But Missouri doesn't take a risk on a kid like this unless they see him fitting in. This isn't really a depth piece, I don't think. This is a, uh, a top six kind of guy where you're, if you're not on the starting lineup, you're the first in. Uh, first man up. So, great opportunity for Connor Wood. Uh, big loss for Montana State. I think there's no doubt about it. I think that you cannot underestimate um, how good that offensive line is. Individually, you can go across the board. We're talking about Lewis Kidd. You're talking about Zach Redd. talking about Connor Wood. It's the unit that makes them so darn good and dominant at the FCS level. So, big loss for Montana State, certainly. But what an opportunity, right?
0: No question. I want to hash this out with uh, several people involved, uh, specifically Connor Wood, perhaps, uh, but also Brian Armstrong as well because I do think there's a lot that goes into this. I think position versatility, Connor Wood can certainly be a top eight guy uh, at an SEC school because he can play guard and tackle. Is he going to win a starting job at this exact moment? I'm not sure, but maybe he's made some tremendous strength gains uh, during the COVID year. Uh, It's certainly possible. The other thing to remember, though, I think that this gets lost sometimes, is the academic piece. Connor Wood's a great student. He got got it done in the classroom at Montana State. He earned his degree. And this could be motivated almost exclusively by academics. And Missouri is an outstanding academic institution. So I'm not sure what he's planning on going to grad school for. But I do think it's a, a not that high of a risk for a Missouri because you're getting a guy who's a good student who's going to get it done in the classroom, who has two years left so you can develop him within your program and your culture, and he can also play multiple spots. All right, let's talk some NBA. First and foremost, last night the Phoenix Suns, they won another one. And I think the Suns are good. I did not have them sweeping their way to the conference finals, but they've done it. They are looking like to me the team with the least holes. They certainly have the least amount of injuries going right now. And we'll get to some of those because, you know, right now that the Nets are banged up. The Jazz are banged up. The Sixers have been banged up. And so there's a lot of the, the final eight teams left here that have some big question marks just in terms of their personnel availability. But the Jazz, excuse me, the Suns are largely healthy. The Suns are rolling, they're playing as good as anybody in the league, and they look like not only a bona fide Western Conference title contender, but a bona fide NBA title contender. Last night they took care of business uh, against the Denver Nuggets. The It was unfortunate that the ejection of of Nikola Jokic sort of overshadowed the accomplishment that was the Suns doing so well uh, in that game, and... Finishing off the what some people thought was one of the main favorites in the West uh, to win the the Western Conference in the Denver Nuggets, uh, but Jokic uh, he was thrown out of the game for what I thought was just a completely BS uh, intentional foul. It was the second technical when he got into it with some of the. Um, Suns players that eventually got him ejected, but that storyline sort of over, overshadowed what was another great win by the Suns. And the Suns, they just continue to to put it together, and they look like a bona fide championship contender now, as they are into the Western Conference Finals.
2: The Suns are good, man. I told you, I had you know, I put all my money on the Suns in the West, at least. Um, I think I think the Suns are a well built well built team. Uh, we've talked a little bit off air about. Now, I personally think that right now in the game that Devin Booker is the best off-ball scorer in the league, um, meaning that he doesn't necessarily have to be on the ball to score. He comes off screens. We're talking about Clay Thompson-esque here, someone that doesn't have to be primarily on the ball to put up huge scoring outputs. So right now I think Devin Booker is that guy, and if you had to pair him with the best on-ball guard to facilitate in an NBA, and maybe not just in the NBA, but maybe in NBA history, put him on Chris Paul. And that's what we got here. Uh, I also really like the head coaching uh, choice of Monty Williams. I mean, Monty Williams and Chris Paul were together in New Orleans for a time. Um, they've bonded over some serious life issues that we won't go into now, but those two are really, really close. And it kind of is that extension of a coach on the floor, and they're all on the same page. They're great communicators. I love Monty Williams' pace. I love his, his style on the bench. And then you have an up-and-coming star in DeAndre Ayton. You know, a guy that I'm not gonna say is gonna be like a top fifty player in the NBA, but he is a more than functional rim runner. His effort is just fantastic. From someone that's that young to have such a a high ceiling for skill development paired with that effort and that want to, especially on the defensive end. I mean, he did, he did all he could with Anthony Davis in the first round against the Lakers, which I was pretty darn impressed with, and he's done the same. He, he didn't stop Jokic, but he made him work. And, you know, those points were tougher than they are than they've been for Jokic a lot of this season. So I liked what the Suns did. I'm really bummed that, that Denver got swept just in the sense that sometimes when, the, when an MVP like uh, Nikola Jokic, who's a little bit out of left field, gets swept in the second round. That MVP gets delegitimized just a touch. And I mean, not in the major basketball circles, but in the overall presence of the NBA and the MVP and the NBA season, that MVP gets just a little bit uh, delegitimized. All you got to do is win one game, and you don't, you don't have to say he got swept. And I think that if he doesn't get tossed in that game, that they have a good chance of winning it. The Nuggets put together a good season. The Jamal uh, Murray injury was proved to be too much
0: to overcome. Let's talk about that element of it real quickly. Um, You look at the NBA MVP over the last 15 years, and from Dirk Nowitzki in 2007, Kobe Bryant in 2008, then LeBron James with his great run four and five years, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry back-to-back years, pretty much every single one of those guys had their teams in title contention, and most of those guys led their teams to conference titles, and about half those guys led their team all the way. LeBron James won a pair of NBA championships during MVP seasons. Stephen Curry won a pair of NBA championships during MVP seasons. Kevin Durant uh, played the conference finals and then was in the finals the year before his MVP season. And Kobe Bryant was uh, an uh, NBA champion following his MVP season as well. So pretty much the only quick exit during that run from 2007 to 2016, a 10-year span, was Derrick Rose. And those teams still won playoff series. They just couldn't get past the Boston Celtics uh, in the playoffs. Well, since then, we've seen this trend after Steph Curry won his second straight MVP. There's this new trend where the media gloms onto the guy who was the latest thing. And it was almost like they wanted to to make sure that they don't have the same story. They don't want LeBron James to be the MVP anymore. We've already written that story. We don't want Stephen Curry to be the MVP anymore. We've already written that story. So then it became this high usage and statistical-based and and the team's performance was only uh, part of it, but not really that paramount. And he had Russell Westbrook and then James Harden and then Giannis Antetokounmpo, who then went back-to-back, back, which was uh, in itself a good accomplishment because it sort of snapped that trend, but also during a weird bubble year. Uh, so it comes with a little bit of a caveat. And then Joe Kitsch this year. I wonder, Brooks, how much the, the announcement of the MVP sort of weighs on these guys. Because I think that... It puts a target square on their backs, and I think all those guys were certainly, uh, at least somewhat to, in some cases, certainly deserving of the MVP honor, but I also think that it puts a target on your back, and it makes it so that guys like LeBron James and Kevin Durant are going at you as hard as possible.
2: Yeah, it's true. You know, um, I think it, it, it helps your team. Establish the leadership and the league recognition that's important for young teams like, like, the, like the Nuggets. I think it's important for Jokic to get that nod. Um, you know, the Jamal Murray injury. This is a tough one, just because. You know, this year, I thought Giannis could have won the MVP just, just as easily, but it was it was media fatigue, as you mentioned. I mean, Giannis' his stats are literally they mirror they're the MVP season right. for the third they're exactly the same. And the Russell Westbrook's done exactly this too. Russell,
0: Russell Westbrook won the MVP after a triple double season, and then had better stats two years in a row and didn't win the MVP again it's true
2: it's yeah so I mean Jokic was a little bit of a, a war of attrition you know I thought Joel Embiid I thought Anthony Davis LeBron James Kawhi Leonard uh, there were several different players uh, that, that had a chance to, to win the MVP uh, that just didn't play enough games you know they missed 20-30 games of, a piece um, so Jokic played every single game the, one of the only guys in the league I think that's you know, a testament to him, I, I do think that is a, a worthy stat to consider, um, you know, how much a guy's playing, how much a guy has the ball, uh, all of those things. But it does put a little bit of a target in your back, but in a sense, I would, I would never not want it, uh, especially for a young team like the Nuggets, as I mentioned. It's a, it's a big accomplishment, you know. There's only been two MVPs in the second round that are, were drafted in the second round in NBA history. Another one is Willis Reed from the New York Knicks. Willis Reed is widely considered a top 50 player of all time. So, Nikola Jokic, in that sense, is truly the only underdog to ever win an MVP. And I think it's a big deal. And target on your back or not, uh, as he mentioned, when he got tossed in that game yesterday, you could see, you could see he was feeling a little bit of the pressure as far as he was frustrated. You know, there was a, a level of frustration that, that just boiled over. Um, I don't think he should have got tossed for it because I don't think it was intentional. You know, he got a lot of ball there. He just happened to hit the guy's face. Um you could see the frustration from the MVP, and there was a hard way to go out. As I mentioned, I try to separate the two and hopefully it doesn't get deleg- legitimized as far as what a season by Nicole Jokic.
0: Nuanas is now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana television. Thank you, Tommy, for getting us back on the TV. Brooks Nuanas is joining us on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line, talking all things NBA playoffs. Brooks, Friday, when Rajim Seabrook was in studio with me, We left uh, in the midst of an argument. We sort of ran out of time. but We were arguing about Chris Paul and what his legacy uh, is and could be. Chris Paul, I think, is perhaps the most interesting guy in terms of defining his legacy, maybe in NBA history. And I don't say that lightly. But I do think that Chris Paul, on one hand, his career has been defined by his shortcomings his relative lack of team success. I mean, Chris Paul's been good enough to get his team to the playoffs, and usually good enough to get his team at least competitive in first and second round series, but he has only been in the conference finals one time, and now a second time by leading the Phoenix Suns there this year. But he also, statistically, has been among the most spectacular and consistent point guards in the history of the league. I also think that he has a reverence and respect among his peers, that is almost second to none. I don't think that there's very many guys in the league currently that have the respect, the, the just resounding respect of everybody else in the NBA. I think that Chris Paul, his efforts off the court as the president of the Players Association and all of the work he's put in to make the NBA what it is. I mean, Chris Paul's had as big a hand as almost anybody in the NBA in making the NBA into a player-run league, a, a player-empowered league. And then I also think that Chris Paul, just from a pure skill standpoint, is as good as anybody ever in the NBA in certain elements of playing point guard, controlling the pace of the game, playing defensively, especially on the ball, getting up and down into transition, but more than anything, just being the floor general, defining the actual position of a true point guard. And so I'll I'll save my opinion until I let you respond, but where do you think Chris Paul ranks right now? And if he was to get the Suns uh, Western Conference title and into the finals or even get over the top and and win an NBA championship, where would that thrust Chris Paul? Because I think just from an individual standpoint, Chris Paul is as good as anybody that's played the position. And I think that there's a lot of guys that are maybe remembered in the same company or ranked ahead of him only because of their team's accomplishments. And that's what I want to get to with CP3. But what do you think of CP3 and his standing right now in the history of NBA point guards?
2: Well, the, the NBA as a league, uh, especially since the merger in the 70s, is, is really easy to define as far as the statistical connections between generations. Uh, the league has been different every 15 years or so, but at the end of the day, the, the hoop is 10 feet high and the ball is the same, height, it's the same size, and, and players are, are, are honestly similar. I mean, they get more athletic, but there's always been seven-footers. Um, across the board. There's always been small point guards. There's always been pass-first guys. There's always been shooters um, kind of across the board. So you can compare just generationally, uh, even though we do struggle with it at times. You can compare what what basketball in a a professional level in in the United States of America, what what it looks like, what the history book looks like, the top 100, if you will, what the pyramid looks like, what the idea of comparing players looks like. Um, So in that case, you have to win to be one of the Top 30 or 40 greatest players of all time. Um, Chris Paul falls right there for me as far as he is one of the three or four best players to ever live that doesn't have a championship, or has never been to a championship, rather. Because sure. there's a lot of guys that, that don't have championships as well. But Going to one, usually if you are a top five, top ten player in the league, and you're a top ten player for over, let's call it ten years, you have a real good chance to go to a finals. To win one is a different story. That's kind of set aside for the, the most elite players of all time. Uh, there's a lot of repeats and a lot of, of crossover champions. And one of my favorite things I heard recently was, if the Clippers go and win the, 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 the title this year, LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard will have won the last six titles with six different teams. It's amazing. Different team winning it every year. Uh... Or with six total teams, three apiece. Three different titles, or six titles, three apiece. I thought that's fantastic. It's amazing. That that shows that it doesn't necessarily the team, it's the player. So Chris Paul has developed some really good teams. Guys that haven't been to finals, I think, on a very short list are Steve Nash, Vince Carter, Dominic Wilkins. I'll leave it at that. Vince Vince Carter played
0: in two finals with the Nets as well. Okay, that's fair. So it's it's Steve Steve Nash and Dominic Wilkins. Yeah, Steve Nash and Dominic Wilkins are good ones for sure. Uh,
2: there's going to be another handful of guys in there, but you know, I think that uh, I think his, he's better than Steve Nash, and that makes him. You know, they have a crossover as far as their generation goes; they're kind of in the same generation. But Steve Nash had a, a whole chunk of his career, seven or eight years before Chris Paul was in the league, and they had about five or six years of crossover. So, if we call them two different generations, I think that Chris Paul is the best point guard of his generation. If you call them the same generation, I still think Chris Paul is the best point guard of his generation.
0: My argument would be, if you traded Chris Paul into the the best situation that any of the other guys that are in the same conversation... So, first of all, let's get this out of the way. Magic Johnson is the greatest point guard of all time. If you consider Steph Curry a point guard, then he's the second greatest point guard of all time. I would consider, if you were to absolutely have to slot Steph Curry by position, you probably choose point guard, although he has played off the ball quite significantly. But let's just agree that those two guys are one and two. But then you look at everybody else that's in the similar conversation as Chris Paul. Here's the list that I made of guys that have similar career accomplishments both individually and as a team. Gary Payton, Tony Parker, Walt Frazier, the great New York Knicks guard, Bob Cousy, the great Boston Celtics guard, Russell Westbrook, John Stockton, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, and Isaiah Thomas. My biggest argument for Chris Paul is that if you switched Chris Paul and Gary Payton, I think the Sonics are better. And I don't think Gary Payton can get the, the Charlotte Hornets or uh, the Los Angeles Clippers as far as Chris Paul did. If you switch Chris Paul and Tony Parker, Chris Paul has four rings. You you switch Chris Paul and Walt Frazier, I think that Chris Paul has two rings as well. And I don't think that Clyde Frazier, as good as he was, could drag those teams as far. On down the line, you give Chris Paul Carl Malone or Sean Marion and Amari Stoudemire or Vince Carter and Kenyon Martin and Richard Jefferson or... Joe Dumars and Bill Lambier and Mark Aguirre and Vinnie Johnson and all the guys from the Detroit Pistons. I think in every single situation, that team is upgraded. And I don't think that the guy he would be traded for could get those teams as far. And so I think that Chris Paul has been a victim of his own circumstance to a certain extent. And that's why I think that this is a pivotal and paramount moment in his career. Because he has an opportunity now to actually solidify himself in that rare air as a top five point guard. That was the argument I left the show with, As I said to Regime that I thought that Chris Paul is a top four point guard of all time. I think that it's between him and Isaiah Thomas for that third spot, but it's the wins as a team that are lacking on Chris Paul's resume.
2: Yeah, I I uh, I don't I would not say that Chris Paul's better than Isaiah Thomas. Um, I would definitely have to question if he's better than Gary Payton. Um, so you're saying that Chris Paul on the Sonics is better than Gary Payton, who won a title on the no,
0: Sonics. No, they they lost in the finals to Michael Jordan and the and the Bulls.
2: fair. Ninety what? Ninety six. Ninety six. Um, man, better than Jason Kidd. Better than Bob Cousy. One of the five greatest Celtics to ever live. Um, I'll give you. He's better than Walt Frazier. He's better than Steve Nash. Um, is he better than Oscar Robinson? You know. Yeah, different generation. I didn't
0: include Oscar just because I think that Oscar Robinson is a little bit different than a traditional point guard. But he has, I mean, if you're considering him a point guard, he has to be sort of in the mix as a top five or six guys, certainly.
2: His stats are really inflated. I think Oscar Robinson's more legendary than he is uh, considered on that hierarchy. So Chris Paul is the fourth best point guard of all time. and I say it out loud, you know, it's hard to argue against. Uh, I think he's right there. Let's call him top five, and I think it's fair.
0: Brooks Nuane is joining us here on Nuanez Now. 102.90 ESPN, Missoula. I'm Coulter Nuanes All right, last question for you, Brooks. The uh, Brooklyn Nets are sort of the Cinderella. I shouldn't say Cinderella. They're sort of the uh, the Goliath that's remaining in this otherwise playoff field full of upstarts. I know that the 76ers have been amongst the national narrative since the quote-unquote process played out, and now Joel Embiid has developed into what they hoped he would be, or at least he's starting to scratch the surface of that. But the Hawks have not really had a seat at the table in a few years. The Bucks, they have been trying to knock down the door with Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I've uh, not quite been there yet. Uh, the Suns and the Utah Jazz are both upstart teams with young talent, to be sure. But the Nets are sort of this juggernaut with their three-headed monster of superstars. But that three-headed monster is now down to one, because Kevin Durant is the last man standing. These guys are not out indefinitely. Uh, there is a chance that James Harden and Kyrie Irving will be back uh, in the midst of this series, let alone within the playoffs. But the Nets are going to have to survive because they absolutely took it to the Bucks in the first two games of this series, but the Bucs responded with a great, if not ugly, win in Game 3, and then Kyrie Irving goes down with a sprained ankle in Game 4, and uh, the Bucks look like they got their confidence back. So uh, what's your take on that series? And uh, if, the, if Harden and Kyrie Irving remain out, are the Nets in trouble?
2: The Nets are in big trouble, man. I Honestly, I don't see the way that they can win just because Kevin Durant's never done this before. Um, he's played on some really, really good teams uh, his entire career. You know, He's had talent, whether it's Russell Westbrook and James Harden in Oklahoma City, bounces over to the Golden State Warriors, the greatest team of all time, if not one of the, the number one or number two greatest teams of all time. Um, and then with the Nets, they've had a lot of talent there as well. Outside of Kyrie Irving yesterday, there was only one uh, double-digit scorer, and that was Kevin Durant. You know, the Nets put together, no one scored more than eight points in the whole squad. Uh, it's going to be really tough going for them because this Bucks team now smells blood in the water. Um, you can bully Kevin Durant a little bit. I think that's always been the book on him um, just due to his slight frame. It's not the – you know, Kevin Durant is – I've said this on this show, and I think it is true. I think he's the greatest scorer, true scorer in NBA history. Um, I mean, he gets whatever shot he wants at any time. But when it comes playoff time and the whistles are a little bit less – you can bully him a bit. We saw P.J. Tucker do that. You know, it's the, it's the classic defensive bulldog mentality where you just chase him around, push him at every moment you can, box him out hard, box him out when he shouldn't be boxing him out, get in their face, talk a little junk. Uh, I, I thought it was super interesting that, that P.J. Tucker has been able to get in his head a little bit. And if P.J. Tucker at this point of his career is slowing you down and that's all the Nets got, I think they're in trouble.
0: It is fascinating to watch the the non-basketball-related dynamic of that because P.J. Tucker is one of the great intimidators left in the NBA. We could talk NBA forever around here on Nuwana's Now, but Brooks, I know you got some work left to get done, so we'll let you go, but thanks so much for swinging by today, man, and we will catch up with you probably next week, but thanks so much for uh, contributing your always excellent analysis to us here at Nuwana's Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Oh well, yeah, thanks for
2: having me, and next time we're going to dive into it, we don't do it now, but maybe you and Regime could do it too. Alan Iverson or Chris Paul?
0: Oh, man. That, that'll that get a lot of people going. That'll be a great debate. Thanks so much for being with us, Brooks Duanas, Rangers Brothers RV phone line here on Duanas now, talking all things NBA. You want to watch the NBA playoffs? There's games on every single night. The Silver Slipper has 55 TVs for you to watch all the NBA action as well as anything else you might want to get into, whether it's the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC. The Silver Slipper will have it on for you. Drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching all your favorite games and all your favorite teams at the Slipper. It's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. The card room is back open with games nightly at 7 p.m. So call or text 333-1500. That's 333 333- 1500 or visit Missoula to book your spot at the table. You can stop by today and see why the silver slipper is one of Montana's best kept secrets across the street from Walmart on Brooks. Check them out on Facebook for daily drink specials and up to date invo. Appreciate the silver slipper for being a proud sponsor of us here on new now Montana continues to dominate Wyoming when it comes to prep all star basketball, some great performances from both the girls and boys teams from the treasure state Plus, I sold some baseball cards, and it was quite an experience. All that and more, keep it right here. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. You're listening to Nuanas Now.
1: This is the problem with Spotify. Tell me more. Well, I've got the bumper music going. I gave away my secret. We use Spotify, commercial version. It's fine. And I'm going, where's the music? Where's the music? Where's the music? Well, turns out my lovely life partner, Rachel, must be listening to music on the Google Home because it says you're listening on the kitchen speaker. So, no (laughs) bumper music for you. And Whoa. now I'm gonna get yiped at for screwing up her Stevie Nicks session. <laughs> what were you gonna play me? I was gonna play you uh, the song by Future Islands called "For Sure." Future Islands is a song that Ryan or is a band that Ryan Tutell turned me on to, hmm. and uh, uh, I really like them. And I, I think they're coming here. I think they're playing Missoula. Interesting. So I'm excited to go check them out. Uh, so if I can get remotely disconnected from Bluetooth, I'd, I'd play you the song, but. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, uh, FaceTimed with one and only Gus Tutel this morning. Uh, He
0: completely uh, accidentally interrupted our morning sales meeting, which he only attended for six years. So there's no way he would remember (laughs) that that happened on Monday mornings. Uh, but, of course, he was wearing his public landowner um, hat and no shirt and no pants. So, uh, typical Ryan Toutel. Thank
1: uh, you for that visual. That's yep, just, just what I need. Just out
0: there killing it. Uh, he, oh, If you right. want an update, where in the world is Ryan Toutel? He is in Akron, Ohio. So, they are making their way back around the country. And uh, I've been really on him to, to try to swing by and give us some NHL analysis because uh, he's great at it. And uh, I have not been following the NHL playoffs nearly as much as I did when he was my cohort, so I, I need him back in my life. It's new on it's now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on a Monday. Hope you had an outstanding weekend. I know the weekends sort of fly by this time of year, so I hope everybody's enjoying themselves in the sunshine. I had a great weekend. I did something that I have been uh, dreaming about doing that I have never done in my 34 years on the planet. Day off. You took a day off. Yeah. No, uh, well, sort of. I uh, I got all of my stuff, and this was an arduous task, actually, because I, I came up with this formula, and I started executing it, and um, I just didn't have quite enough time to fully execute. So I only executed about 75% of the capacity of what I needed to. That was frustrating in itself, but the first ever... Missoula Sports Cards and Memorabilia Show took place down at the uh, Missoula Fairgrounds. It was a phenomenal event. Hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people swung by. I could not believe the traffic that was there. My booth was busy from start to finish. Thanks so much for everybody that swung by and said hello. I know there's a lot of loyal listeners out there. It was great meeting all of you. It very was very affirming for me to know that there's all these cool people out there that are into some of the same stuff that I'm into. Uh, collecting cards and and, uh, listening to this show. So we appreciate you for swinging by. But first and foremost, when I was in the midst of the organization of all my collection to get it ready for this show... Uh, The stretch run was last week, so I I had all the cards out at my mom's house because uh, we were keeping some of the valuable ones in the safe, and and it was just an easier place for me to store them uh, in her basement, and we could organize it, and then it gives me a good excuse to go you know, have some home-cooked food by Ma, so I did that, but on the the stretch run the last night, it was uh, on a Thursday Thursday or Friday, I can't remember, of last week, and uh, I was finishing up the organization of all my baseball portion of the collection, and in the meantime, uh, she's working on this genealogy project, archiving the history of of my mother's side of the family, which is a very fascinating one, and one that's rich with uh, Montana history and Montana lineage. And uh, a lot of the history of the state of Montana weaves within the history of my mom's side of the family, which is very cool. But she found this box of letters from her grandparents that they had written to uh, her mother and her aunt's when uh, they were on, in the midst of their world travels. And I just could not believe all the places that all these people had been. I mean, this must have been in the you know ni- early, early uh, 20th century, 1920s, 1930s, somewhere around there, maybe into the 40s. Um, but I guess, oh, she says early 1950s. But there was letters from Singapore, Hong Kong, Thailand, India, Pakistan, Argentina, Chile, Peru, Brazil, and Japan. So uh, very... Fascinating to listen to all of those letters. It was a very fun time. I get my card collection all organized while my mom shared some of that history. So uh, very fun evening with her and and very cool to learn all about that history. But this card show though was amazing. And I I think that the the number one thing that was so uh, fun for me was I have a lot of really valuable cards and I have a lot of special edition cards, some newer cards, some older cards, all that. You know, I have a stack of Michael Jordan's Kobe Bryant's, all the the old stars. I have every 90s and 2000s baseball superstar by the dozens, whether it's Cal Ripken or Frank Thomas or Ken Griffey Jr., Chipper Jones, all the way in between. I thought it was so fun and so funny what everybody out there wanted. People would swing by and say, I want, I want this guy. And you never once in a while it would be a... Ichiro or, you know, an Allen Iverson. But then I had these one guys that they wanted Stephon Marbury. They just, they wanted Starberry so bad. I had these other guys that wanted all the Cleveland Indian cards they could find. So they're buying Kenny Lofton and Travis Fryman and and just sort of uh, not superstar type guys from me. And uh, then one guy, he wanted a Bo Jackson playing baseball. That was fun to try to pick out and find. One guy wanted Deion Sanders. I had one uh, visitor who came back around a couple times. He wanted all my Peja Stojakovic cards. So I think it's awesome, though, that guys that, that collectors, they it's not just about the value of it. A lot of guys were just seeking players or relics that made them happy, not necessarily that boosted the overall value of their collection. So uh, really fun time, and uh, I enjoyed myself thoroughly. Thanks so much uh, for swinging by, if by chance you did. The Midland Roundtable Basketball All-Star Games between the Montana All-Stars and the Wyoming All-Stars took place over the weekend. Montana continued to dominate on both sides. We'll tell you the who, what, when, where, and why right after this on Nuwana's Now, 102.9 he has ESPN Missoula.
2: To more. This is No One now on one oh two point nine ESPN Radio Missoula
0: oh, Peace like a river and story Oh satisfied Never in my life did I think that I would be back in my hometown hosting a daily ESPN radio show that included A barrage of Beastie Boys tracks Like we threw down on Friday Man, that was fun That was a sweet show It was a great show I think that we need to start Just kind of sneak attacking Opening up the mics on Rajim Because he is Great singer first and foremost Such a musical guy But uh, he's always spitting the rhymes And I think that we should just Make him do it on the radio But every time I try to sneak in there And do it to him Then he stops Because he doesn't want to freestyle on the radio But he, he just should Because he's so good at it Love having Regine back in the fold here at Nuanna's Now, and that's what you're listening to here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, or maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. It is time now for our Prep Extra segment. It is presented by Farmers State Bank. Farmers State Bank, proud supporter of all youth athletics across the great state of Montana. Farmers State Bank also is a great place uh, for you to refinance or get a home equity loan. Your home could be worth more than ever. Using your equity can help you make a difference. Pay off high-interest loans, finance a remodel, or build that addition you've always wanted. You can start the process online at FarmersEBank.com today. The Montana-Wyoming All-Star basketball games took place over the weekend. Friday, they were in Sheridan, Wyoming, and Saturday, they were at Lockwood High School right outside of Billings. On the uh, girls' side of this thing, the girls only had eight players uh, in the game, because a couple of the selections uh, were not unable to do it, they opted out because of conflicts. Uh, Paige and Danny Barsh, both outstanding athletes, twins from Helena Capital, they did not participate in the in the uh, All Star game because they had a couple other uh, previous commitments. Uh, but the Montana girls, they took care of business on Friday. Lindsey Hyde, who's headed to Montana State, the tallest player to ever play in this game, she's six foot six, out of Forsyth, Montana. She had a layup with thirty eight seconds left. And that was the go-ahead bucket as Montana's girls won 55-52 on Friday. And then on Saturday, basically they knew they needed to play better. The Montana girls have have usually dominated this thing by high margins of victory. And uh, following Saturday night's game, Scobie's Gracie Leckfold said, we knew we needed to play better than Friday night, point blank. And uh, they left no doubt. They had a 71-39 victory in the Montana side of this thing. So that means now the Montana girls have won nine in a row over Wyoming and they recle- increased their all-time lead in this Midland Roundtable uh, All-Star Series to 35-13. to 13. So a great effort by the Montana girls and I think that Lindsey Hine is a very, very intriguing prospect as she heads to Montana State. Uh, she, is, she was raw and I think that she is uh, now solid and I think that when she gets... A little bit more, especially when she gets some high level coaching, which she certainly will get at Montana State. I think she's an absolute slam dunk of a prospect. Her potential is so, so high, and I think that that will bode well for her future um, as a Bobcat. On the boys' side of things, the opening game was a little closer than it had been. Uh, the, The last couple times, Wyoming's been battling a little bit better, although Montana has dominated this rivalry thoroughly since the all-star game was instituted the past 3 games including two last year and then the first one on Friday saw Wyoming lose by a combined 9 points including Friday's 109 to 104 point defeat so Wyoming was in the the game uh, all the way until losing the the matchup that was played in Wyoming on Friday and then in, on Saturday the Montana boys left no doubt they won the game 110 to 71 uh, at Lockwood High School Montana, they jumped out to a 21-3 advantage in the first quarter, and they led by 31 points by halftime. Montana has now won 18 in a row in the Midland Roundtable Series. That dates back to 2012. That winning streak does. And it increases Montana's overall lead to 63-27. So Montana continues to dominate. From Great Falls, standout Levi Torgerson. Yesterday, we kind of started out slow, and today we needed to bring the energy and start making our shots right off the bat, and we did that. Everyone was scoring well. It was just a good team win, unquote. Five Montana players scored in double figures. They were led by Billings Scaviews Kai Kuba. He had a game-high 23 points. Alex Germer scored 19 points and averaged 22 for the uh, over the two games. He's a future Montana State Bobcat uh, by way of Missoula Sentinel. Kai Kuba, by the way, out of Billings Scaview, And Malachi Stewart who's headed to Carroll College to play for Kurt Paulson out of Building Central. He had 19 points. Germer's, uh Sentinel teammate, Tony Frolic fair scored 18 points on Saturday after scoring 23 on Friday. So a good effort by the Montana boys as well as they win for the uh, 18th straight time in the Montana-Wyoming Midland Roundtable Basketball All-Star Series. That's our prep extra presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank has helped Montanans prosper since 1907. Experience the Farmer State Bank difference at a location near you. Listen to 1029 ESPN Missoula. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. Tommy's got a story to tell. I've been making him wait a little bit here, but uh, he's got a story to tell you. We also have some sound bites from Duncan Hamilton of Montana State, as well as Montana State head coach Lyle Weiss. And we also have Lucy Corbett, the outstanding high jumper. From Montana State, have sound bites from all three of them reacting to their performances in earning All American honors at the NCAA Outdoor National Track and Field Championships over the weekend. Also, we had our Olympic hopeful from right here in Missoula, and Katherine Burkoff, who's one of the great swimmers, one of the great amateur swimmers in the country, and Tanner Huff, the new Grizz, latest Grizz football recruit. Will also join us as well. So, hour one in the books, hour two jam packed as always, coming at you. We'll be back with more here on Nuanas Now. Duncan Hamilton, Lyle Luis, and Lucy Corbett, plus much more. Keep it right here at 1029 ESPN Missoula.